welcome to the monthly Skill Bite Show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skill Bites author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, I am delighted to have with us Kathleen Fillmore. Kathleen is owner of Speakers Gold and a top marketing consultant to professional speakers, as well as authors, speakers in the Hall of Fame, and a couple of reformed rascals. Kathleen is also founder and past president of the Atlantic branch of the Canadian Association for Professional Speakers, and she has written five books as well as hundreds of articles for North American trade magazines. Kathleen's going to be sharing with us her expertise on how to get paid professional speaking engagements. Kathleen, welcome to the Skill Bites Show. We're so delighted to have you with us today. Well, I'm delighted to be here, and it's so great to talk to writers since I started out that way. So, um, yeah, it's really great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, why don't you start off telling us a little bit about your writing and how you went from author to getting into the speaking industry. Well, I was teaching English as a second language and, you know, just making enough money to survive on and, and oh, just really, I, I felt like I was spinning my wheels and I had to get out. And, and the only way I could get out is moving away from Toronto and uh, so I sold my house and uh, packed up what would fit in my car, quit my job, and moved off to Nova Scotia, where I had enough money to live on for a year because cost of living was lower there. And naturally, naturally, I, I went right through that money in about six months. But anyway, better I didn't know that from the beginning. And um, I, I went there to write a book because I'd always, always, always wanted to write. And this was in the late 1997, uh, 98, uh, 99. I ended up spending three years in Nova Scotia before returning to Ontario. And so I was on my way to complete my life's mission, as I sought, to write a book about my life. And after about three weeks in Nova Scotia, I realized I just wasn't ready to write that book. And then I didn't know what to do. But I wasn't coming back home and saying, well, that didn't work. Um, I had two sons, and I really had to give them a report that, that made me look good, not that made me look like a failure. And so I uh, started doing business articles, uh, and I've n- never done that. I'd done some writing and been published in magazines, but uh, I had never done business articles. So I wrote my first article for Hotel Magazine, on the Swiss Air crash, which happened right around then, and how the hotels cleared the space overnight in Halifax. And uh, and that was really interesting to me. I'd never considered business writing, but I really enjoyed it. And then I remembered I'd been to a couple of meetings with speakers in Ontario, and I thought, well, it would be fun to get that started here. And I got it started, and then they wanted me to be president, and away I went. And I, I, I mean, my life turned such a direction that I that my head was just spinning. 
if I hadn't gone away, I never would have listened to any of that. I would have just shut down those insights and so on. But I was there by myself, nothing to do but think and get insights. And so I was founder of CAPS Atlantic, and, um, and I loved working with speakers because they were so inspiring. I've always, you know, gone into the speaking industry from the perspective of a, of a writer. And, um, but being around speakers really helped me keep my energy up and my spirits up because being a writer, you can get alone too, too, uh, too long and it's, that's not good for you. So they provided a nice balance. For me, and I provided a good balance for them. I ended up, after three years, writing two books um, from the time I spent in Nova Scotia, and one was a marketing book for speakers, and one was a book about a loyalist, and I mean, neither of those were on my radar when I left, so it's just really interesting what can happen to you when you're on your way to, to your life, so you think, right? <laughs> that's right. Huh, that's an interesting journey that you've had. Really, really, really interesting. I mean, I don't know where I'd be if I hadn't made that trip, and, and it was very scary, but but some, I mean, I, I just somehow knew that uh, that I had to do it, and uh, so it, it worked out really well. So when I came back to Toronto, I opened up a speaker's bureau, and I started consulting with speakers, because by then, um, after uh, being president of CAPS, I had great information, and I've always been, as a writer, an information junkie. So I would say, oh, well, I read this. Oh, well, you might try that. Oh, I researched this, right? And so there was the value that I brought. Right. Okay. So when you moved back to Toronto, you said you got involved with the Speakers Bureau back there, and you started doing some... Is it, was it marketing consulting for speakers? I was marketing consulting, although I probably didn't really call it that at a time. But um, uh, but I would people always wanted to have a cup of coffee with me. Well, of course they did, and then I would just tell them everything I knew about speaking, and then they'd walk off, and maybe they paid for my coffee, you know. And I thought, ah, uh, okay, I think I need to charge for what I'm doing. And then I opened up a bureau uh, just because I knew so many great speakers. And so I still own the bureau, but I'm not actively involved in booking. I'm partnering with another Canadian bureau. Um, and uh, so that works well. He does the bookings. I, I promote the speakers and he promotes the speakers and we're just collaborating uh, on that. So I'm now focusing on marketing consulting for, for speakers. And then you also help authors become speakers. Is that right? Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, I understand where I, I certainly totally identify with, with writers, and uh, I understand where they're coming from. And, and the advantage that they have in the marketplace is that we writers have something to say. You're not a writer if you haven't been introspective, if you haven't been reflective. It's just the nature of the business. And so uh, you can't be superficial and be a writer, in my view. And so um, uh, so writers have something to say, and I really enjoy working with them. And often they want to go out and speak. And it doesn't matter, I discovered, if you're an introvert or an extrovert. 
extroverts dance around the stage, and I love to watch them, but I will never, I promise you, dance around the stage. When I do speak or do seminars, I don't dance, but I can hold my audience because I've got something profound to say. So it's just a different, different style. Right, although introverts have a harder time getting in front of other people. I it killed me to do that. It killed me to do that. The first time I spoke to a group, it was a group of my peers. It was my friends. It was fellow teachers, and we sat around a boardroom, and I had notes, and the notes said, hello, my name is Kathleen Fillmore. I'm not kidding. I wrote it out. I was so afraid and, and so sure I would absolutely freeze and forget everything, including my name. So that's how terrified I was. You don't get more terrified than, than I was. Really, you don't. And I just told myself it wasn't about me. So I still don't necessarily like speaking to people. But if I've got something to say, then I know it's not about you. It's not about me, and I'll say it. That's all. So you can get over it. You can get over it because it isn't actually about you. It's about the message of value that you bring, period. And writers have oh. strong, strong, profound messages of value. How long do you think it took you to get over that fear of speaking? Oh, I'm still working on that. I mean, I had to do a little presentation, 10-minute presentation to my group of, of, of business owners. Um, and I put a lot of effort into it rather than doing what I usually do, just winging it. And I had a huge anxiety attack because because I put so much effort into it, then it was weighted more, right? And and there was more weighing on, on the outcome. And I just had an anxiety attack at the last minute. You know, I don't know if you ever totally master that. It's, it's just a progression. You know, I, I could still get anxious, but, but sometimes that anxiety fuels, fuels me. Right. And, and if you can recollect times when you were nervous, but everything came out fine, I would imagine that would help you to yeah. at least get started. The last time when I had an anxiety attack, honestly, it was the best presentation I've ever done. So, so I thought afterwards, well, it really does fuel you. Um, it's kind of interesting because it's all energy. So once you're up there, then you take that what was toxic energy and you turn it into uh, to having an excellent presentation. It's kind of interesting, but not everyone feels feels nervous. I don't know. Some, most people do. Most writers do, I think, it's probably fair to say. Yeah, I always find that no matter how nervous I am before I speak, within about a minute of speaking, it all disappears, and I'm fine. But that first, well, the, the anxiety beforehand is a lot worse than it, than it is when I'm actually speaking. And it, 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 it's, it's true. And then what you need to tell yourself, because when you're anxious, when you're caught in a, in a moment of kind of toxic energy, you think it's going to last forever, and you think you're going to freeze out there, up there because you're so nervous. And, and we, what you need to tell yourself is somehow when you stand up, you'll come through. You just have to trust that that always, always happens, because it pretty well always does. 
you just you stand up and, and people look at you and you just come through. So any other thoughts that you have for people who are really nervous about speaking that could help them get over that anxiety? Practice, 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 and, and get better at speaking. I took, um, I don't really necessarily recommend presentation skills training, but I took about four lessons from a guy who, who uh, stood at the back of the room and held his hand to his, cupped his, his ear in his hand, so every time I would say something and I'd have to project my voice to reach the back of the room, he kept pretending he couldn't hear me, and so I'd have to pretty well yell, and it was so aggravating, uh, but you know what? <laughs> That man changed the way I talk forever, forever, forever. He changed my conversations. He changed my sales conversations, um, uh, which are presentations in a sense. He changed everything I do, and and I've never gone back to to default. He taped our my speech too, and what I realized is that I opened strong, full of energy, blah blah blah, blah do my opening, and then I would flatline. I went into default mode, and I would just talk like that, right? Not very engaging, and, and it was so illuminating for me to realize I did that, so I just stopped doing that, period. That's all. So I think that uh, you just practice, and you learn to get over yourself and learn to just quiet that ego and uh, and get out there. If you've got something of value to say, we need to hear you. We need to hear from you, period. Can you talk a little bit about the value that authors get when they do speaking, when they become a public speaker? Well, here's one value I get from um, every time I speak is that you probably, no matter how much speaking you do, no matter how successful you may be in the speaking field, you're probably never going to come to me and say, well, I'm the best speaker in the world because you'll never, 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 never arrive. So much like the writing field, it's true, right? You're never going to say, well, I'm the best author in the world. There's no such thing. They're just different, right? And um, so people who go out there and speak have to live with ambiguity. The fact that uh, they're never going to get where they're going to go so they're going to learn and stretch and expand every step of the way. And only people like writers uh, and in other fields are, are comfortable with constant expansion, constant learning, constant stretching. But I think it's the only way to live, personally. It's the only way I want to live. It's just keep growing and growing and growing and don't ever get static. You cannot get static in the speaking world. Impossible. You, you'll either die off the platform, I mean, no one will hire you, or or you'll keep growing and learning and growing and learning. And it's a very exciting pro process, much like writing. It's a nice balance to writing. Because trust me, if I had gone into writing when I left for Nova Scotia, I would be seriously unhealthy. It can lead to an unhealthy lifestyle. I know in my case it would have. And I would be also pretty antisocial, right? Pretty, um, uh, what's the word for it? Um, 
reclusive, right? Because I have a tendency to be that way. And so I made a conscious decision because I did have the opportunity to decide, well, do I want to go into writing full time or not? And I thought, no, not because um, I need the balance. I need the balance. I need to work with people who are out there, who are extroverted, who inspire me, and I need to do the writing as well. So I still do a lot of writing, but uh, but I'm not doing it full-time for that reason. Mm-hmm. How would you recommend getting started if you haven't done any speaking so far and you want to get involved in speaking? Well, it's a perplexing industry. Uh, you know, most 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 professional um, uh, careers are are kind of easy to see the trajectory, but but uh, with speaking, it's a poorly understood industry, and people go out there and they make a mess of it. They don't charge properly. If you charge too little, you really hurt yourself. You hurt your branding. You'll be turned down if you don't charge enough. Um, strangely, and uh, but if you charge too much and in your material and your in your value proposition, whatever it is you're offering, doesn't support that higher fee, you'll be turned down as well. So you've got to just hit that right point. Um, what you need to start with is, and here's again where where writers have an advantage, you have to start with a strong value proposition. Why do we need another speech? And you've got to answer that re- answer that question. Why do we need another speech? And you've got to make a compelling reason for it. And I always think the the title of the speech, for example, is is what makes that uh, value proposition often. So I, I I create titles often for for the people I'm working with because they're not necessarily really good with messaging, and that's where I start with the messaging, and then we look at at strategy after that. The messaging determines the audience, for sure, and the messaging determines uh, the strategy as well, how to reach that audience. So you start with a powerful value proposition, a message that you really know has value in the corporate world or in the association world. And um, and from there, um, you create... Um, marketing materials, a simple website, or or put your speaking on your on your current website, and you need a two minute video, and that's because the the beginning speakers, the speakers who really started the industry, the paid speaking industry, um, often were authors who would go out there and and do what they called a, a lecture, go on the lecture circuit. And often, they weren't good speakers because they didn't need to be. I mean, they had a captive audience. There, there, were, there were no other experts out there, uh, and that's not true anymore. So you've, you've got to have that value proposition. You've got to have a two-minute video because meeting planners got burned many years ago hiring writers, authors of books who called themselves experts, who were terrible speakers. They, they just couldn't relate to their audience. And um, so now you need a two-minute video. And it's not hard to do. You can do it yourself. You've got to be animated. You've got to show that you can engage an audience. So you've got to be articulate, animated, 
And it doesn't matter. You don't have to dance all over the place if you're not comfortable doing that. I'm certainly not. I'm a fireside chat kind of gal, you know? Take that approach. Mm -hmm. That works as well. You do have to engage your audience, period. And that's an interesting exercise to do. And so uh, so with that and a phone number and some business cards and, uh, and, and so on, you can start to go out and, and, and charge money for it. You should always do that first speech free and get good feedback from it or not. I mean, whatever feedback you get is good because you'll learn from it. So even when you're not getting a, the great response that you hoped for, um, just it's all right. It's natural. Starting out, you'll learn. Just take that and, and learn from it. And, uh, well, and then you talked a little bit about this. charging. Uh, but you said the first you 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 said a little bit about um, charging earlier that if you charge too little, you can get turned down. But if you charge too much, you can get turned down. How do you figure out how much you should charge? Well, I can certainly help anyone with that. But uh, because I can look at your materials, some speakers come to me and say, "Well, I charge seventy five hundred dollars for a keynote speech," and I'll say, "Fine." And they'll talk to me, and I'm totally sold. I mean, I deal with very charismatic people. It's easy to get sold. And then I'll look at their website and their materials, and I think, oh, you weren't honest with me. You do not charge that much, uh, you know, because your materials are not supporting it. So the materials are maybe amateur or not that polished, or their video is, is fine for a certain level of speaking, but it's not that polished. I mean, at the $7,500 level, then you've got to have... Uh, You've got to have polished, sophisticated material that you actually have invested in creating. Um, so I think when you're beginning, uh, you just go out there, whatever, for the first six months. doesn't matter if you charge, don't charge, if you make a deal with people, if you go out at the lower end of the market. Um, as long as you're getting good feedback and people believe that you're you're providing value and you know that you are, then um, then I would just go and build momentum and build a client list because that's important too. When you have a client list on your website or on your promo material, um, it adds credibility to you. And it's partly the client list that makes you, that gives you the right to raise your fee. Your client list gets up to 20 and, and it's corporate and associations and governments that you're speaking to, then uh, that supports a higher fee. But in the meantime, you just, you can deal, you know, well, you know, normally my fee is such and such, but uh, for you, I'm willing to uh, to do it um, for this much money, but I need a commitment from you. What you don't want is for the other party to sense that you're insecure in some way and start jerking you around by saying, well, you know, we'll think about having you, especially if you're lowering your fee for them, um, you need a commitment from them. And normally in the industry, that commitment is a 50% deposit of your fee. And organizations, almost all of them, can comply with that. The reason you get 50% deposit to hold the date is that you're already starting to work on your speech and customize it for that audience and for that organization to meet their particular needs. So you may have a standard speech, but you've got to customize it for the groups that, that you're going to talk to. 
So you start to do that, and also you'll turn down any other opportunities that come up. So it's a really good thing for speakers. And it was Dan Kennedy of the No BS Guide to Business who started that policy, and now every speaker uh, does it. And it's really good because it protects you from people saying, oh, sorry, we've canceled that that uh, that event. Well, too bad. Your deposit is non-refundable. And I've had that happen uh, once with one of my speakers. And, you know, at least she didn't lose out on that. She got 50% down, you know, mm-hmm. a down payment, at least non-refundable. Because otherwise, you can imagine what would happen, right? They, the, the, the the organization wouldn't be invested. So if they didn't get a good turnout, then, then too bad for you. But now, no, too bad for them. At least with respect to that 50%. Yeah. And it used to be refundable. So we used to have contracts where we say, well, if you cancel two months before, you get this much back. If you cancel 30 days before, you get this much back. No. You know what, 50%, that's your commitment. My speaker's making a commitment, so you, that's it. We consider this a serious contract. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of curious if you can provide some guidance as to a range of fees where somebody who's written a book, hasn't done much speaking, if any, should start where where they should start with their fees and and uh, where they can go to in terms of uh, after so many speeches they ought to be getting this much more or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, um, I know the Canadian market better than the U.S. market. The U.S. market tends to be a little bit higher, but I would say for training, if you're doing training based on your expertise, which is a great place to get started and not a great place to stay because it's not so high paid. Uh, and if you can train, you can do a keynote. And the difference is a keynote has inspiration as well as information, and training is more information. Um, so uh, training, uh, I would go out there at, uh, and even speaking starting out, maybe go out at 3500 and, and do a couple of engagements at 3500 as long as you're getting great feedback and good testimonials uh, from from the audience and the organizer I would uh, go out there at five or six thousand um, you know once you get your feet wet a little bit and build up a, a bit of a client list then uh, go out there at five or six thousand you know it's it's a lot of work I, I remember working with a client and she was saying oh uh, Kathleen, I'm in the car. I'm on my way um, two hours away from where I live to do uh, a talk for $500. And I said, I would really like to tell you to turn your car around and turn, and go back because that is costing you money. You know, it's a great deal of effort to get up there and speak. It really is not an easy thing. It's a one-person show. You can't blink. You can't look out a window. You've got to engage the whole time. So certainly I consider that quite a feat to pull off. And uh, and also you've invested in your intellectual capital. You've got a talent which you can't put a price on. And you've put a great deal of time into making a perfect speech and getting your feet wet in the industry. So, you know, five or 6000 is not a lot of money. 
the other thing to consider is this. Let's say you do a $5,000 speech for an organization that is just down the street from you. No big deal, right? But if I asked you to go to meet me for a coffee the day before your speech, you'd say, ah, Kathleen, you know I'm speaking tomorrow. No. So there's one day completely out where you're focused on your speech. The day of the speech, you go to the conference early, you listen to the other speakers, so you can work that into your speech if you need to, but just so that you know what's going on and you're at the conference, you're totally busy. And then the next day, you probably don't want to do much of anything, right? If you do a great job, if you put your heart and soul in it, you just probably want to chill that next day. So there's three days, and we're not considering travel. So what would you charge for three days of your time? You know, it makes the fee mm -hmm. very reasonable, frankly. And then what do you offer the organization? Well, you might offer them a way to get their teams working better together. You might work, uh, give them ways to be more productive. You might give them just a purely inspirational message. How can you put a price on that? Like, you know, really, it's great value that you provide. Right. How do you find those organizations that would be willing to pay you five or $6,000? Well, um, I think the three markets are corporate markets, the um, association markets, and uh, the government. So starting out, I'd start with associations. And starting out, I'd start with monthly associations. If you want to get your feet wet, Take an association that you'd like to speak for, go to their monthly meeting, and 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 you know, or call them and, and ask them if they'd like you to to deliver this topic at one of their monthly meetings. Uh, it'll be a local meeting. They probably they probably have no budget for that, which is fine. You're getting to know people, and you'll get recommended for the national conference where they do have a budget probably, you know, around $6,000 for uh, for a speaker. And um, so so that's a great place to start. And you need to find an industry that's a good fit for your topic or it's an industry that you've had some personal involvement in. When I began writing, I did a lot of writing for the food industry because my dad had a wholesale grocery store. So kind of grew up with the ins and outs of the food industry, which was really interesting. So I felt a connection to it. You know, if there's an industry that you feel a particular connection to, and there should be one or two at least, then you, you, you want to approach those associations first of all because they know when you're well-versed in that industry. They know when you care about that industry, and they know when you don't. Right. Governments also, I mean, they, they've got a lot of money to spend and they really need help. So you can go uh, and teach communication skills. You can teach written communication skills to people in the government. They need it. And again, it's not the highest level of, of speaking, but it's great training for you and it gets you very comfortable in front of a crowd and it gets you to understand what can go wrong. It's like teaching. I have been in floods. I've had people have breakdowns 
<laughs> in the middle of a classroom. And the same applies to, to speeches. I mean, if I were out there speaking, I'm sure I'd say exactly the same thing. The lights go out. You know, your your PowerPoint doesn't work. You can expect all of those things. So the more experience you have, the more you learn how to navigate all of that. When you're applying to speak to associations, there's usually a program director or something like that on the website that you go to. How do you find the right person for government agencies? That's a, that's a really great question. What what I do, uh, what I did as a bureau owner, learned from experience as I learned everything, is I would call the organization and I'd say, oh, good morning, Judy. I am just calling to see if you sometimes hire, if your organization sometimes hires speakers. And that's a really critical question because the truth is that you could get, you, you could get referred to the conference organizer or the event coordinator. They have different names, right? But conference organizer or, or meeting planner or, or event coordinator, any of those names work. Meeting planner is probably the most common one. And uh, I used to ask to speak to the meeting planner, and then I'd speak to the meeting planner. She'd be really cool, you know, very excited about the speaker I'm, I'm promoting, and then say, oh, but we don't pay. And I'd say, right, okay. So I think the question to ask is, um, um, you know, once you're ready for paid engagements, which shouldn't take you too long, just ask, um, does your organization pay for speakers? And if the answer is no, that's the end of it. And if the answer is yes, right. then could I speak to your uh, meeting planner or your, your event organizer? And if they say she's out of town right now, then ask for her email address. And then what you do is you don't send her your stuff, right? I, like, I don't like it when people do that. I get that so much. People send me their books without... My permission. I mean, it's not that I mind. I used to read them all. I can't. I just can't do that. And people don't do it any anymore. I mean, it was really part of the industry growing up, right? And everyone writes books, so now people don't mail them out anymore. Um, but but they used to do that. So this thing is that you talk to the meeting planner. You ask if they when their next event is, and and assuming that you already know they do pay. And and then you uh, ask if they have a theme for that event, and it might be a theme that where your topic would be a perfect fit. In which case you say, "Oh, okay, here's my topic. I think it would be a great fit for that uh, for that event. Could I send you my information?" They really want you off the phone, and that's why that phone call can be a little hard. I always found it a little hard because I, I knew I know these people are very busy and everyone's calling them, and uh, few of them would really be very conversational on the line. So my job was to get in and out as quickly as possible, and it's great. I have a speaker I know would be perfect for that. Could I send you his information? Sure. Great. And when will you be making a decision? Well, you know, next month. Great. I'll call you uh, a little later on uh, next month and, and see, you know, if, if uh, you need any more material or if you'd like to speak to the speaker directly. So that's how I approached it. And, and that really works. 
And it's a numbers game. You may have to call 20 people. But you know, you'll get it down, Pat, So, and you'll build up a momentum. So just don't be impatient with that. It took you a long time to get out there as a writer. Chances are good it did. And this doesn't happen overnight. It just takes patience and persistence and and getting out there and following up. So patience. LinkedIn can also be very powerful if you start um, uh, connecting with meeting planners, maybe joining some groups, although the groups are often started by speakers, so you've got to be discriminating. But meeting planners will often comment on them and then write down that name. If you're part of that group, you have every right to connect with that person on LinkedIn. And now you've got a relationship, and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about speakers bureaus and what the advantages are for people to join them. Well, here, here's the advantage. I mean, I, I really went through a process years ago where I'm thinking, who needs bureaus, right? I mean, everyone can reach the speaker directly. Who needs bureaus? And I thought, maybe I should just be a co-op bureau where people promote themselves, or, or, or maybe I should just go out of business. I don't know. But here's why people need bureaus, because there's so, many inf so much information out there. I know speakers who... Uh, there was one speaker who spoke about stuttering, and he promoted himself as a speaker on innovation to, to a group. And uh, like he was not the best fit, because there's a speaker who's excellent, who specializes in innovation. So I, I spoke to the group myself and said, well, you know, if you're open, I'll send you uh, another possibility. And... Um, and, and they saw the speaker who focuses on innovation, and, and of course they opted for her. So I think that's the problem. If I ask you if you can speak about customer service, you're a writer, you can do research, you'll say, oh, of course, right? Mm -hmm. and, but the truth is you're probably not the best person to speak on it. You probably haven't been doing customer service for the past 10 years or sales, or whatever the topic might be. And and so um, so a bureau, we, we would go out of business if we promoted people that weren't an excellent fit. And we have to be objective about that. We just have to. So that's the advantage for a company or association to get a speaker through a speaker's bureau. What is the yep. advantage for the speaker to for the speaker, well, the, the only advantage for the speaker really is that you, you reach an audience you couldn't reach yourself. You are not ready for a bureau if you haven't gotten a single paid uh, speaking engagement. And um, I have people approach me, as I said, this is not a very well understood industry, but I have people approach me and I say, but have you had any paid engagements? No. Well, that's great, but you've got to do that first. You've got to make some kind of a name for yourself because I don't know how good you are. And I know you tell me you are, and, and I know you believe it. And you're probably right, but I need more proof, right? 
Mm-hmm. And if you're not good at marketing, if you say, well, I'm really good at what I do, but I'm not good at marketing, I mean, it's possible. But I'm going to think you're probably not all that good at what you do if you can't, if you're not confident enough to market yourself. So part of the business of speaking is feeling comfortable marketing yourself. And I'm not saying you have to feel comfortable from the very beginning, but you have to learn to get comfortable that you've got something of value to offer. Or I'm going to wonder how confident you're going to be on the stage, really. And um, and you have to charge a certain level of fee. So the bureau that I'm partnering with, he has been provincial so far, and wants to go national. Being provincial, he has been at the lower end of the market and handled a lot of training because that's what the biggest requirement was. So his speakers are lower end of the market than my speakers. Bureaus work on commission. So if you go in there, I had someone saying, well, I charge $1,500 and uh, I'd love to to speak at this uh, association under under your bureau. And I said, no, you don't understand. We charge commission. We charge um, 30% generally speaking in Canada and 25 in, in the States uh, is uh, typically the commission charged by bureaus. So we charge commission. Like, I'm not going to charge you a commission on $1,500. You don't want to pay commission on $1,500. You've earned that. You just go there and get it yourself, right? So you have to be a certain level before uh, bureaus will be interested in you. You really have to get your feet wet. What level do you think that should be? I'd say, you know, five, six thousand, and that's that's probably the lower end of the market, but that's also probably the common denominator. Um, You know, that's where everyone gets a start, and you could stay there for a long time before you move up to 7,500, 10,000 kind of thing. and, and and that's when you become a really exceptional speaker, and you know you may or may not want to go to that level. Uh, you know, if you're at the seventy-five hundred dollar, ten thousand dollar level, you've got to be highly, highly professional, which re- will require a great deal of your time, and you know you may not want to spend that much time on this. Um, on that topic of time, how much time? You say it takes a great deal of your time at that level. How much time is that? And what does that time Well, you know, a lot of speakers do this full time. And, and the truth is most of your time will be spent on sales and marketing. So let's say you want to, let's say that you want a significant income, let's say 50000 in in the next year uh, from speaking. Uh, then I, I'm going to say that you'll do 10, 10 engagements well at, at, at 5,000, and you're going to spend most of your time marketing and selling those engagements, whether it's through creating your website, creating your materials, getting out there, going to networking events where people can hire you, speaking at groups where they can hire you. In the beginning, you'll, you will certainly spend the majority of your time marketing and selling. You may get to a, a certain level where people are coming after you, but even then, you, you've just got to keep moving. You've got to keep moving. You've got to keep the whole momentum going, and that will not happen if you just sit back. So uh, so you learn to be an excellent marketer, and that is an asset in everything you do, including your speaking, uh, your writing. I mean, 
you know, everyone has to be a marketer these days. Isn't that true? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. You are. If you don't market your book, it's not going to go very far. Well, that's exactly it. And you start out thinking, well, I'll just sit in a little log cabin somewhere and make sure there's someone around to bring me a cup of coffee now and then, and I'll write my masterpiece, and that's all there is to it. The world will recognize it. And honest to God, that's how things used to work. That's how things used to work. But no more. It's just, you know, you've got to make a lot of noise in order to be heard. And it doesn't necessarily depend on the value of your book in any industry in the arts, whether it's music or or art or, or writing. It's not always the best people who get to the top. It's the best marketers who get to the top. So if you're a brilliant writer and you learn to be brilliant at marketing, which actually is a whole lot of fun. I see it as a great game. It's a real high-skilled game, and it's a lot of fun. I absolutely love it, and I never thought I would, but I love it. And... um, uh, if you get to be a brilliant marketer and a brilliant writer, then the world's yours, really. The world's yours. And it's so much fun. I mean, to me, it's just a big game. It's a big game. So just take the personal out of it and uh, and just pretend you're solving a problem. That's exactly what you're doing. Now, if you're not a good marketer and you're not really that interested in marketing, there are people like yourself provide marketing for speakers. Is that right? I show speakers how to market themselves. Uh, So there probably are people who get you dressed up for the market, but, you know, unless you're actively involved in it, it's not going to work. It's going to fall flat. There's just something about being actively involved and invested in your own career. So no one else can breathe life into you. And part of getting up there and being a brilliant speaker means that you take an active interest in how your career is going and how it's being marketed. And in which case, you've got to learn everything about marketing, even if you later delegate it. You've got to know your way around. I have seen so many people ripped off. It just breaks my heart. Getting terrible, terrible advice. It would be better for them if they hadn't spent a penny and gotten any advice than to get bad advice, which just hurts them. And they believe these people. They think these people know what they're doing, and and they don't. So I think uh, it's better to take control of your own career, and if you're uncomfortable marketing, then ask yourself what it is that that makes you uncomfortable with it, because it will hold you back. And um, there are agents who promote you, but they'll only do that. They'll only take on clients who are really well-known and uh, and they work on commission base, uh, and it's a big, hefty commission. They work on a retainer and commission. So you don't want that. So uh, agents in the speaking world, you, you really don't want that. You have to trust me on that. You, you don't want it. That's only for people who just don't want to be bothered with any of it and who are not really focused on the income because they already have other sources of income, and they just don't want to handle any of it. They just want to show up and speak. But, you know, that's probably not any of us on the phone here. It's probably not going to apply to any of us. Uh, there are a lot of people who will uh, create packages for you. So what I do when I work with speakers is I show them how to get their promo material up and running and their website up and running and their video and so on and their messaging right. 
and so that they have the best possible chance in the marketplace. And then we together create a strategy that they can live with that works with their strengths and, and mends their deficits. If you don't mend your deficits as well as develop your strengths, you'll be lopsided at the end of the day, and it will hold you back a lot. So I work with them and show them how to do it themselves. And it works much better. And then they don't have to pay commission to anybody. And they're in control. Okay. So if somebody wanted to follow up with you to talk to you about um, how to best market themselves, how would they do that? What would be the best way to Well, I, I would be absolutely delighted to speak to any one of your people and any fellow writer, and I'm uh, happy to give you uh, good marketing advice. And, um, and and if my program, I think, if, if it would benefit you, if you would benefit financially from taking my program, because really that's my personal measurement, if my clients, if I don't think that they'll that my program will be a good financial investment for them. I don't even tell them about it, right? And so some people are ready, some people are not. Um, but I'm happy to give anyone good marketing advice uh, that they can pretty well take to, to, the, to the bank. And um, all you do is just email me, um, Kathleen with a C. So it's C-A-T-H-L-E-E-N at Speakers Gold speakers with an S at the end, G-O-L-D dot com, and, um, and, and just uh, put Judy in as a subject heading, and I'll know where you're coming from, and, and uh, just to honor Judy and the great work that she does, I'd be more than happy to have a conversation with you. Absolutely no obligation and no sales pitch. I just don't do that. I really don't do that. I just work with people who are motivated and, and, and know that, uh, that they would need me and, and would benefit from my services. So uh, I just don't pitch. Well, thank you. That's very generous. I appreciate your offer there and would highly recommend to the listeners here that they take Kathleen up on that offer. Uh, you certainly have nothing to lose, and uh, you could get some terrific marketing advice from Kathleen. And if thank there you were so much, a Judy. Few I really uh, that... appreciate uh, your inviting me on this call, and, and I certainly also appreciate uh, the work that, that you do, and I'll be happy to let my people know about what you're doing as well. If there were a few things that you could say um, to sort of sum up maybe the key things that you think somebody should take away from this um, show today, what would those be? Well, I think that, that uh, I'd like to sum up by, by being a little bit inspirational because that's the most important thing. The information you can you know, eventually find out on your own. But, but honestly, if this speaks to you, then act on it. That's what I discovered when I moved to Nova Scotia and I was quiet and peaceful within myself. And you don't need to do that, anything that drastic. But I'm just saying, if this really speaks to you, you'll know it. If it really speaks to you, it will not let you go. I promise you that. It certainly didn't le let me go by any means, um, although I'm not a speaker. But the industry didn't let me know because it, it didn't let me go because uh, it did speak to me. So if this speaks to you, then I think you need to follow that. You just need to follow that and, um, and, and, and get through your fear. 
if you have any or your reluctance or or any misgivings you may have. So um, so you will know if uh, speaking is right for you or not. And if you're on this line, it probably is. Okay, very good. Well, thank you so much for walking us through so much of the issues with speaking, how to get started, how to charge, how to find speaking engagements. And um, thank you so much for offering to speak to anybody about um, developing their marketing strategies. And to do that, again, your email is Kathleen, C-A-T-H-L-E-E-N, at speakersgold.com. C-A-T-H-L-E-E-N. Yeah, at speakersgold.com. Great. Okay, thank you so much. Right. Thank you for, for being on the show, Kathleen. Talk to now, you soon. Next month, the Skill Bites show will be on May 16th from 1 to 2 Eastern. Our guest will be Julie Friedman Bacchini. She is the president of Neptune Moon, which is a digital marketing firm. Julie is a master of digital marketing with particular strength in analytics and helping clients gain powerful insights from their data. Julie's going to cover the basics of two types of paid advertising on Facebook, promotions and ads, and explain how to best use them to reach your target audience. At the end of the session, you'll understand the types of audience targeting available, as well as how to track basic results from your promotions and ads. So stay tuned for Julie Friedman-Bacchini on May 16th to learn about digital marketing.